All right, we are back, people. Another week, another podcast schedule with May officially over. We are into the summer season, and what better thing to kick off the summer than not a Marvel property, but the return of I wish I could I, I wish I could play the song, but I can't because we'll get copyright stricken on YouTube. The boys are back in town after a two-year wait since season two, which was one of the only things that we had during the pandemic. Season three of the only show that Amazon puts out that I swear people watch. I really don't know how they even justify having that service, even as a tax write-off, but it's worth it just for the boys alone, Dustin. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, do, do people actually watch that? I don't know. No. no. I have no idea. All of Not that. Not at all. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to talk about the boys, though, because that's what we care about. So, yeah. all- or on tonight's episode of the Talking TV Podcast. You know, it's funny because I had some long-winded answer slash approach in order to get into this, but on like some crazy think piece off piece. But honestly, I'm just glad that this, that the show is back. Like it, it's crazy because like 2022 really is in my mind, as far as media goes, maybe not so much in other things, but as far as media goes, 2022 for me is the gift that keeps on giving because like all of my personal favorite shows that we kind of were robbed of because of the pandemic have all been coming back and they've all come back in a line. Like they all started with succession back in the fall. And even though Ozark kind of fell off for a little bit, I really liked the first seven episodes that they put out before the last seven came in and probably torched it. Barry season three, better call Saul season six. And now we have the return of yet another one of our favorite shows. I'm joined once again by Dustin, the Duster Mason, who recapped all nine episodes of Succession Season 3 with me in the fall, as well as teaming up with me to do to review Don't Look Up and Paul Thomas Anderson's entire filmography. He's back. He's ready to talk about The Boys. But Dustin, before we get started, talk to me about when you first became aware of The Boys. Talk to me about like what it is that you really dug about it and kind of how you like evolved through to now with you know as The Boys has gone on. Well, I started watching it like roughly around the time it was first released. And I really enjoyed it the first season. I think it's it's definitely a difficult show to adapt to like from that comic for sure, tonally, because it could have come off as like a shitty kick-ass kind of retread, but it really was its own thing from the first season, but I feel like the second season really kicked it into high gear and like really balanced all the tone it wanted and the visual effects and the violence just got crazier. And now with this season without, you know, spoiling too much of what I think about this season so far, it's still, it's still as good as season two, if not better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As far as far as my whole thing, I have like a really weird relationship with how I got into the boys where it was, I remember it was back in 2019. I remember 2019 and just like what an awesome year that was. Like, I feel like it was that year was so good that like we were almost jinxed into the pandemic as a result of it because of just how friggin' awesome that year was. And I remember it was like it felt like right after Avengers Endgame had come out, Avengers Endgame had just come out, Game of Thrones was just wrapping up its final season. You know, we were in this really weird space in the culture where it felt like these giant tent poles of monoculture, you know, they felt like they had come to an end, right? And, you know, obviously the whole big thing is like a lot of people were questioning, oh, what is Marvel going to do post Endgame? You know, and now obviously we've been living through the result of that the last couple of years, but it was so fascinating because the show 
Amazon almost planned this like strategically, which is kind of nuts because I don't think this was their original intention. But I feel like when the show first came out and I want to say it was July of 2019, I remember seeing the advertisements for it on Facebook. And at first I thought it was a joke. I'm like, wait, what is this? I'm like, wait, superheroes is like shitbag celebrities and that are like casually murdering people and like the people who have been like victimized and destroyed as a result of it i'm like wait since, since when would they, like they wouldn't actually make a show that would actually try and like dissect superheroes and what we love about them right because really the only thing that we got i mean i mean people have been like clawing and saying that like oh superhero movies have in other genres but it's like they still have the same themes they're still for the most part lighthearted they're still for the most part for kids and for the most part a lot of the superhero properties that we'd gotten in the last 20 years up to that point had never really tried to ask the question and tried to be about the bigger things that the boys ultimately became about and now as a result of the boys we've seen this litany of content since that's really tried to go for that but I feel like the boys what really made it so fresh and original was the fact that it really was the first thing since Watchmen that was actually trying to dissect and get to the heart of superhero culture, our obsession with them, why we love them so much, why we idolize them. And it, it, in a strange way, like the show almost kind of came out ahead of its time because now in the post-pandemic era where it feels like nobody will even go to a theater unless it's a tentpole superhero movie, you know, Spider-Man and Batman being seemingly the only movies in the 2021 to 2022 school year that it felt like people actually went out to a theater and watched, and, you know, Top Gun obviously now being that. But I guess that's what was so fascinating to me about The Boys when I watched the first season. It was just the idea of, like, aside from all the tonal stuff, yeah, I'll admit, tonally the first season is easily the weakest, but it was just this idea of it's like, oh, my God, they're actually, like, and, and it came out at the perfect time because it's like after Marvel, which was like this really interesting and awesome kind of like, for lack of a better word, like long form comic book series translated onto the big screen where there was a continuous story that seemingly started with that first Iron Man and ended with Endgame. And now you almost had this thing that came out and was like asking, oh, you loved all this shit? Well, we're going to explain why and we're going to kind of point out some of the problems with that. And I just think it did it like so masterfully like so completely masterfully like i i love every minute of the show a lot of the characters who i thought weren't the best have slowly grown on me over time like i really think that this show is truly one of the best shows on the air right now and yeah. i thought that even with season one like they didn't nominate it for anything which i thought was ridiculous but it really really grew on me that first season 100 percent yeah, maybe I need to rewatch uh, the first season. I'd still think, even if I did, I I would think it's the weakest. But it definitely did a good job setting the stage for like what it's become, and I think that's fine. You know, same thing with like the Umbrella Academy, which like the Umbrella Academy for me, where it's like the first season was solid, had some really good moments, but that second season was like cool like really cool and really well directed and even uh, more well acted. But um, the boys is even better than the umbrella Academy, as far as I'm concerned in every regard, acting direction, writing, visual effects, everything. It's just so good. And I can't wait to get into it. And I, I, I take it. We're going to go in order of the episodes. So let's do that. Well, first I wanted to kind of ask as far as like the whole, like, do you personally, right? Cause I, I mean, I don't know how into the whole, like kind of the, like, well, I guess just my first question is like, what's kind of really been your thought process? Cause I know we've talked about it a little bit like off camera, but like you're kind of holding, I guess this kind of goes back all the way to like the Martin Scorsese comments when he first said those in 2019 about like, kind of like 
again, like a, the the co- it, it's really difficult to go back to because just the co- the comments have been taken so far out of context and everything where people were just saying, oh, Martin Scorsese doesn't like Marvel movies. But like, what's kind of your thought process on like the effects that like superheroes have had on movie going just in general, you know? And I guess, do you think that they've had the effects that everybody is hyperbolizing and has been saying? Well, I don't really think the Martin Scorsese liking or disliking Marvel thing has any relevance to like the actual success of superhero films. I think the success of superhero films in general, it's a very vague question I think you're asking, but um, uh, I'll try to crack it. Um, They're the ones making money, those superhero movies, and those are the ones people are seeing, like you're saying, and... Yeah, I just feel like we have been, especially by Marvel and Kevin Feige in particular, uh, and, you know, DC to a certain extent, but it just feels like the biggest movies always have to be like the superhero movies. And, you know, that's kind of grown tiresome, especially since, like, most of the Kevin Feige movies look and sound and just seem the same all the time, except, like, Doctor Strange 2, which was pretty original in its style. But, uh, I feel like this show satirizes it perfectly while also being its own serious story. And I think it's just as funny as it is heartbreaking for a lot of these arcs. I am concerned about a few subplots that are like being developed in these episodes that we'll cover. But other than that, uh, I think the satire is pretty on point, like you were asking. Yeah, yeah so, 100%. Yeah, yeah well, that's just the irony of it. The irony of it is that it's an Amazon-produced show, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's this gigantic, you know, media-slash-pharmaceutical-slash, you know, like kind of this thing that we think of, like, this evil corporation, for lack of a better word, that seemingly got its hands in everything, and how they're kind of controlling the narrative around, like, the superhero fling. Like, it, it, the, the show really did come in at the perfect time. And the strange way is you get this every time, like, you get a satire yeah. along this line, where you, where it almost feels like the real world, like, lines up to go along with the satire, you know? Where it's like, I, I feel like, in a strange way, in this weird post-pandemic world, I feel like, like, I felt like we were already kind of living in that world back in 2019, but now I feel like it's only gotten crazier as far as like, you know, just the, the still the ridiculous amount of admiration and attention that we give, forget the whole, like the, you know, seeing these celebrities on movies. Cause that's essentially what the, the superheroes are or the soups in this verse are. They're essentially celebrities. And like, I mean, look, we just came off of what, like how long was that goddamn Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial? And people were watching that shit. Like it was a freaking TV show every single day. So like the show really tapped into something fascinating there as far as just covering that side. And I've said this since day one, where I think the, the show's greatest strength Besides having the ex, besides the satirization and the extreme violence, was I think it always did a good job of having its characters be very morally gray on both sides, where you you hated the superheroes, but also the quote unquote good guys that you were following weren't all really that good. Particularly Butcher, where it became very clear after a certain point that he was just willing to do whatever it took, no matter who got his way in his way to get the job done. And then I always thought it was interesting how you were introduced to these heroes and like and like kind of introduced them in one way and then you kind of broke down and 
found out more about them. Like, I love finding out more about A-Train and the Deep and Queen Maeve and all these other heroes. And we even finally got a backstory origin for Black Noir after two seasons of him just kind of being there. Like, just the silent figure in the background. And Homelander, who's consistently been to be the most interesting character since minute one of this show. And how after season two, I famously said after season two, I'm like, okay, what more is there really to do with this guy? They got him. But they've showed in this third season premiere. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, we're just getting so oh, we you will. Know, I, I have a point about that to like whether or not like there's is there talks about a season four because I'm not, not sure. Yet, but I assume so because they're not gonna, if they are planning to adapt the whole I mean, they're not going to adapt the whole comic book line, but like they've this yeah. got like a ways to go as far as the adapting. I know they're going to do the hero gasm arc this season, whatever the hell that means. I'm, I'm very strictly stayed away from following like the comic book storylines of what happens in the boys. But like I've heard yeah. that the hero gasm moment, whatever that is, is a pretty big moment. Sure, but, like, in terms of, like, how long are they going to just keep going with this Homelander charade? You know what I mean? Where it's just, like, until, like, he fucking, like, you know, spoiler alert, he might lose his mind and, and destroy the entire world. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, because that's what the show, I feel like, has been building to up to this point. Yeah. Like, there were hints of it in season one and then they kind oh, of were building sure. slightly more in season two but it feels like this i mean mostly because he even said it to starlight when she threatened him yeah. with the videotape it's like that's what i mean right but like because when is it are we gonna see that breaking point near the end of this season right. is my point or is it a build up to another season and then we gotta like and, and know, that's a little – and out. I understand where you're coming from you know because I, mean? I was actually having a little bit of problems with that. Like, it was not really problem, but, like, it was at the back of my mind going into that third episode specifically where it's like, I'm like, okay, gloves are off. Like, Homelander is basically given the end game of it's like, yeah, you released that video, then I got nothing – then I got nothing left. Yeah. I'm just going to nuke and, like, and kill everyone. And, like, I think that's yeah. always been the trick, but also the interesting thing about Homelander as a character is the fact that that's something that people have been saying since minute one. They're like, yeah, this is the evil Superman. This is the Superman unhinged. This is Superman if he didn't have that moral conscience of growing up in Kansas and being that good old American boy. You know, that's always well, he's been... he's a test tube baby. For, exactly. For he's certain. a literal He's not even Superman. He's no. a test tube baby. He's a test tube baby. He has happens to have the powers of Superman. Right. But he's a sociopath who might be also racist and just everything well, else. Well, under what's the been so interesting house. about the character is that yeah. the thing that is constantly dictated every action of his is his narcissism and the fact that deep down he does inherently want to be loved and twisted yeah. and crazy as that presentation has been obviously the whole Stillwell arc in season one and then everything going on in season two but now you're at a point where it's like he's really he, he, he clear like he had that with Stormfront, right? And then you have the whole Stormfront reveal, which I mean, I, I want to get your take on that too about whether or not that actually happened or not. But like, you, and you know what I'm talking about. But I just I uh, feel like we're at a point now where they literally have to be like, okay, they they gotta kill this guy this season because if, if they make him last mean. another season, like no it's shot. Like, how and another flaw that I have with it too, like this isn't gonna take that much time, but John Carlo Esposito. I'll get into another thing with him that's even Being sketchier. Yeah, and and honestly, I'm kind of getting sick of his like you know dr like sardonic. I don't give a shit attitude. Right. Like it's not even that menacing anymore. I feel like it peaked with Breaking Bad. It uh, did. The, uh, personally, I think there's better performances other than him on uh, Better Call Saul, for that matter. But in terms of like, he knows like he could get obliterated by. By Homelander, unless like it's something we don't know where he can't kill John Carlo for some reason, like in Stranger Things, where they he, she can't kill Matthew Modine, you know. So it's like 
I don't know where they're going to go. Like, they could just obliterate that guy. I feel like he's not going to live past this season, too, unless they kill Homelander off. Well, that's always been the biggest problem. Is it's like, it's like yeah. that's the constant problem. It's like, yeah, Homelander could literally obliterate anyone that opposes him. And that everybody was kind of what was so time, interesting yeah. about the first two seasons because literally everybody that was in a room with him was like, yeah, he could literally just kill them within five seconds, you know? But the one thing that's bothering me about the Homelander thing is not, and it has nothing to do with Anthony Starr. It's just kind of the repetitive writing of like how everyone is always towering in fear over him. And I know that's how they would be, but it's, they, they got to spice it up a little bit with like, they got to have some characters not be complete pussies in front of him to like counter it, like make it more interesting. Like they can still be intimidated, but in a different way, not in a just outwardly like, Oh my God, we're going to cower and do everything. And it's just like getting a little annoying now at three seasons in. That's just a, sm- a, a minor nitpick for me. I get where you're coming from, absolutely. Well, let, let's break down like what actually happens in this season, in at the beginning of this season, these first three episodes going into co- coming off the last season and kind of where we're gonna go in this season. So picks up, they're at like some movie premiere for like that Dawn of the Seven movies they were shooting last season. A very clear and obvious riff on the Snyder Cut, which I thought was still really, really well. That was done. a Charlize. That- Charlize, Charlize, dude, that was yeah. another thing. I, I turned around. I'm like, okay, like that 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 first episode. Like, also when they had the tiny dude inside the one dude's dick, and then he blew up and ripped him in half. Incredible. Like, that's the amazing. that's the that's the grossest thing I think I've ever seen. I was <laughs> like, I was blocking my 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 screen with my hand. I was like, that's just another one here. of those things where I'm like, they can only pull this off. And like after the love sausage thing in the last season, I'm like, okay, this show they literally sure, can do but like, like this is like not even and and it just makes me it made me think more about like Ant Man and I'm like, why did why haven't they done that with Ant Man yet? Like, well, that's they insane. can't first and foremost because it's that that's super R rated and they clearly can't. And what's crazy is they actually did do they can make like him explode make him explode someone without like the blood or whatever i know? disagree i i think it's like i think it would be impossible to do that's the thing like and that's very very it, like though. not at all like in marvel's quarter but so you're picking up huey again is working for the congresswoman who was revealed at the end of last season to have been the head blower up or the head popper as they called it who blew up yeah. head up in congress you know and it kind of ends with huey discovering that she was the head popper and realizing the butcher was right after butcher has been having this like back and forth but it's kind of weird also at the beginning of the season where butcher and the rest of the boys are now working for huey and that department you know bringing in soups but they can't really go after the big soups because the big soups are still protected by vaught who is still kind of controlling congress essentially and so what, couple- do, what do we find out about victoria we find out that she was uh, that she is clearly like the adopted daughter of Stan Edgar because she was slash in, wife slash wife, which is I, I don't even know what to make of that thing. I was like, dude, what am I watching right dude. here? So essentially to break it down. So basically what is discovered in the second episode when Huey does some digging into the Congresswoman after he discovers that she is the head popper, he discovers that she was part of this superhero adoption program called Red River, which essentially takes children that accidentally with superpowers that murder their parents. I think they touched on that a little bit actually in that animated spinoff that they did the boys diabolical. The Royland episode. The yeah. Royland episode. That was that was fantastic. fantastic. I, that, that's making me want to go back and watch it. I didn't watch the boys diabolical, but that's gonna that's making me want that to go back one episode, and watch it now. I mean, I've seen most of them. They're pretty good. That one was fantastic. So you're saying if you had to pick one episode out of that entire eight episodes that they dropped, you would watch the Royland episode for sure. Okay, got it. Yeah, I want to watch so, that again actually. But yeah, yeah but, but that's touched upon in that episode, that whole Red River thing. But they take uh, obviously a much more silly and kind of like still dark as fuck, you know, angle with it. But it's a little more lighthearted since it's animated in that Royland style. 
Yes. Uh, which is definitely up my alley, and I'm a big yeah. fan of his. Yeah, but the but biggest I, thing that's revealed yeah. is that she's kind of in league with Stan Edgar, and essentially everything that they've been doing as far as working with Congress and working with the Department of whatever, like superhero containment or whatever the hell, has all been a sham this entire time. And Huey kind of realizes that they need to do a butcher's way in order to, you know, quote-unquote, get a win against the suit, which again, it's, it's doing a little bit of retroactive, like, kind of shaping up, which again, it's kind of going into a little bit of the problems that I had coming out of season two, where season two ended on such like kind of a definitive note that it felt like I'm like, okay, where do we go from here? And so there's a little bit of backtracking, I will say that, but it all comes to light when Butcher realizes that they may actually have a chance of taking down Homelander once and for all when they discover a secret uh, potentially a secret super ki- superhero killer weapon that ties back to a legacy superhero character from well, what? When did they say he was a thing? Like during World War II through the '80s, a very obvious Captain America ripoff called Soldier Boy, who was portrayed. And he was the first superhero, I believe. Yeah, in, I, I in think that so, world. something like that. Yeah, I think I think they said that as well. Yeah, portrayed by uh, Supernatural's Jensen Ackles. That's another thing because Eric. Ever watched that? Runner. I never watched a single episode of Supernatural. Me neither. Yeah, that that was one of those shows that it's like. Every person that I went to college with was like, oh my God, you have to watch Supernatural. You have to that watch was Supernatural. on for a while. Wasn't a while, it? like 15, 15 seasons, I think they That's got out nuts. of it too. It's a much beloved fan show. But so they're clearly setting up for the fact that the trajectory of this season is going to be that they kind of had to retro- retrograde and pull back a little bit after a lot of the development they had. They kind of have to like go undercover again and they kind of, they're, you know, they're kind of introducing a lot of new characters, you know, the Soldier Boy character, a couple other legacy characters that showed him, you know, a couple other old school actors. You have Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead as that crimson chick. You have Sean Patrick Flannery as Gunpowder. Yeah. yeah, that was Laurie Holden, which was shocking to me because I'm like, oh my God. The, the last thing I saw her in was as Andrea in The Walking Dead. They completely destroyed that character from yeah. the from the comics. And and then remember when she was the Thing's wife from the original Fantastic Four movies who left him because he was made of rocks? For that yeah, yeah I remember. that was so bad yeah the less the, the less the less said about those movies the better but um yeah uh but so essentially that's kind of what we're setting up for now like i said the cool thing about the boys is that the, the is that uh, the thing that i like about it is that there's very few shows i find that can really perfect the whole drop in the first three episodes at once and then releasing the next couple subsequently over the next couple of uh, weeks, you know, over the next five weeks, because they've been a couple shows that have tried that. I think the really the only one that made that, the only other one I should say that made that style work, other than the boys, was Peacemaker. I think yeah. Peacemaker did that great as well. Another kind of riff and kind of like, like you know that. a different take and a different kind of exploration on superheroes. But so I guess my first question is like, what did you think of the episodes? Like, how do you think they compare to the previous seasons? And then we'll get into like where where you think they're gonna go from there. Like I said, like it. it this show similar to succession it i don't it's so like unpredictable just i i don't know where it's gonna go like i have ideas of where it can go sometimes i'm a little bit right but it really like the pacing of the episodes is just phenomenal and it's just gotten better and better but like like i said earlier in the episode in this episode that uh i definitely think these uh, this season is definitely comparable to the second season so far. I'm not going to say in totality because we haven't seen all of the episodes yet, but this this is definitely heading in the right direction as far as I'm concerned. Except the ending of episode three, we will talk about. I yeah. just will say that. But yeah, like, uh, absolutely. I I definitely am a fan of like how they, you know, say similarly to how they, you know, 
introduced the last season with the first three episodes. Like I was just like, oh my god! Like I like I'm just totally in. Like the yeah. penis thing aside, like it was yeah. a great scene and well done. Yeah. Like and and there's so many things we like. You didn't even really talk about Butcher yet. Like he gets to try to like the compound. We'll, we'll talk feed. about it. Yeah, bring it like, in. Like kind of where where we start off with Butcher this season. You know, it seems like Butcher's turned over a new leaf. It seems like he's trying to actually do something different. He's trying. Carl to Urban is so Ryan. good. He's I love fantastic. Him. I think Carl Urban might be the best in these three episodes that he's been in the entire show. I've loved him since minute one, but like he's been like one of the best. Like besides Anthony Starr, he's really the star of this show, Carl Urban, and like and his shtick just doesn't get old to me. And he's like one of the unsung great like actors of our time. Like I I feel like he's just kind of impeccable in everything he's in. I agree. I don't I've never seen I've never seen a bad performance from him just in general. And he imbues that character Butcher because the, that's always been one of the interesting dynamic the, the most interesting dynamic to me on the show. And they even get into it at the end of that first episode is how Butcher and Homelander seem to be opposite sides of the coin where they they that was the, that was the thing that made their interaction at the end of the first season so fascinating is the fact that Again, like, they hate each other so much, but, like, are they that different where they've both kind of been screwed over? They've both kind of been, you know, used and manipulated by the powers that be. They've both done absolutely horrific things, and they're not good people. You can kind of relate to Butcher a lot more than Homelander, but Homelander still has those moments. But, like, I thought it was so fascinating how at the end of that episode when Homelander tries to ask Butcher where Ryan is, you know, that's the other thing, too, that they now have in common as well is the fact that they both have this connection to this kid, you know, where this kid is all the Butcher has left of his wife who was kind of his motivating his motivating factor for those first two seasons. And then you have Homelander, who obviously who actually has a son and has a legacy, you know, for wildly different for wildly the wrong reasons. But like I thought that was so interesting how they both are talking. And he's like, don't you just like sometimes want to just, you know, destroy everything and stand over everyone? And he's like, absolutely. You know, and I thought that was so interesting because I think that was something so different because what's always been so fascinating about Butcher is he's always been on this like hell quest to just get everything done. And at first you thought it was because of everything that happened with his wife and everything. But as you learn more in season two, as you've got more context around it and more flashbacks, like he was he's always kind of had a little bit and you know you found out more about his dad he's always had a little bit of that dark side and that's always been kind of not my problem but always like a nitpick that i had with it is i'm like man i'm like butcher's awesome don't get me wrong but i'm like but i feel like we're they're only scratching the surface as far as just how crazy this guy could get and i'm definitely thinking that we're gonna get that this season because i'm I'm just just based off what we've gotten in these first three episodes alone i'm like okay like we're, we're going for it now you know we're really going for it the thing that i'm like you know, I don't know how they would execute this, but like, I have a feeling he's gonna get like addicted to that shit. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it yeah, seems he, that like, way. He's gonna maybe get addicted to it, and like, the side effects we've already seen a little bit of that, and how weird that is. I have a hot take myself. Uh, I think the kid, that kid, is like such a shitty character and such a shitty like plot device and such a shitty actor and, and you know oh my god like it's so, it's so lame but like Carl Urban saves those scenes I'll say that yeah he does he does I'm just gonna be interested like I mean I will say that the, the scene at the end of the third episode was a little bit rushed that that could have been taken a little bit more drafts a little bit more takes on the script where it's like you you've built these characters up as like having this like interesting bond and now you, he just hates him out of nowhere because right of that line was just so that, out of place that kind of came out of like I understand that he's mad at yeah, I like I understand that he's completely mad at Grace for her kind of involvement in the soldier boy thing and for her not telling them it's like he <laughs> 
He definitely was very rightfully pissed at her. Where it's like, yeah, yeah, so we could have had a chance to take these guys down a while ago. And now because of you, you know, you've directly prevented us from being able to do that. So, like, that was pretty justified. But, like, I, I definitely don't know if his kind of, like, his rage against the kid was justified. And that's why that kind of just came out of nowhere. And why I wasn't, like, the biggest fan of that. As far as the rest of the characters, like, Frenchie and Kimiko, they're still kind of there. I don't I don't yeah. really know what's left to do with those characters. I feel like they're kind of just spinning their wheels and coming up with something. I like the guy that plays Frenchie. The actor who plays Frenchie is great. The yeah. the thing I will say this though, they definitely improved on Mother's Milk because Mother's Milk was a character that yeah. I just outside of the the stupid name, I really wasn't sure what kind of the impetus of that character was. But then we started to get a little bit more about him in season two and this season two, where it's like the way that they kicked that off with his arc of yeah. kind of like where he's kind of like addicted to the action and once he hears Soldier Boy's name, he like a switch flicks, you know? Yeah, I kind of forgot about his like whole thing with soldier boy so that's why i might have to rewatch it because i i like this show hasn't been on for like two years it's been right? two so years like, yeah so i might have to like i i didn't rewatch any of the episodes i thought i could but i yeah the whole thing with the soldier boy thing i might have to you know rewind my mind about that but uh yeah i think the whole thing with him how the second season ended as well where it's just like he quit the whole thing just to be with his wife and kid and then we find out in this Season. His wife divorced him. Like it, that, that was white, where it really some, became obvious. For some like, white they're, weirdo, they're, they're they're pulling it back. They're 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 retroactive. They're, they're retrograding here. You know, yeah, they're definitely. And, and then they have that guy. They they specifically show him during the like Homelander speech at like his you know his big birthday bash. To, you know when he's going on that tirade on television and like the guy's like. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, like, that was troublesome. So that, that guy's probably going to be bad news for this fucking season, but yeah. uh other than that, uh Mother Milk's a good a good actor. I like that yeah. actor. I I've told you since day one the biggest kind of crazy thing for me to coming around to that guy is the fact of when I saw the actor's name because I recognized the actor's name, I'm like, wait, that's the side villain from the fourth Fast and Furious movie. You know, the, right? the dude who supposedly killed Letty, the Michelle Rodriguez's yeah. character the first time and then Vin Diesel rammed it with the car. I love the he fact He was an Avatar, movie. right? No, I don't think he was. He wasn't an Avatar? No, I don't think he was. Um, what's called? I mean, he may have been. I would have to go back and check, but I don't think, I don't remember seeing him there. But he was one of the Navi, I thought. Maybe. Uh, wait, was he the was he the one that? Um... No, he was like the guy the guy who was giving Sam Worthington shit. Oh wait, I think you're right. I think that was. Yeah, him. I'm absolutely correct. Oh He's... no, you're you're a hundred percent right. No, you're. You know why? <laughs> I kept thinking. I kept thinking that was West Studi. I kept thinking that that was West Studi. But I but West Studi, I'm pretty sure is her dad. So it was Zoe Saldana's dad in that movie. So yeah, that 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 actually would make sense. That oh man, that's crazy though. Good good shit. Good call. This yeah, is that's this the is... guy from Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're on that. So biggest thing for me going forward is I wanted like like because they're they're very clearly setting up that like okay they're gonna get to Soldier Boy somehow you know. And the, the other thing, too, also that I've kind of, like, questioned about this show is I'm like, okay, are there ever going to be – is Starlight and then this new kid that they introduce who is – I feel bad for that guy because that character is only there, the supersonic or whatever. That character is only there to create bullshit, like, romantic – between Huey and Starlight for when there doesn't need to be at all because he needs to separate because Huey of course needs a reason to separate from Starlight and be apart from her for a bit so he can come back at the end and realize oh no I missed you you were right about everything you know which sucks I thought Huey and Starlight were like 
it was cool, like, actually seeing them, like, in a relationship and seeing them, like, kind of, for lack of a better word, just being a regular domestic couple that then has to go out and deal with all this crazy superstar paparazzi bullshit and all that. And so I think the biggest thing for me is, like, where kind of the, it literally is all going to rest on Soldier Boy, who is clearly being set up as this, I don't know if he's going to be a plot device or what kind of a character he's going to be, but the whole thing that's been hinted at is that Soldier Boy is going to have a part to play as far as in relation to Homelander. And also, we obviously know that he also has something to do with that weapon, whatever it is, that supposedly can kill a superhero. Because as we know, obviously, Soldier Boy is not dead. He's very much alive and being held in stasis somewhere. But we don't know where he is. And we don't know what this weapon is that can kill him, if it's even capable. Could it even be Soldier Boy? That's the weapon that's capable of taking down Homelander. Who knows? Like, we don't know. So, like, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about, is it's like, where do you think we go from here you know and I guess the question is, is like when we end this season because this I think is going to be the make or break season because we usually see this with TV shows when they come to like their third season you know is mm -hmm. this kind of shows where they have legs is do they kind of introduce a new development that actually is worthy of continuing into season four or do you think that they kind of are left spinning their wheels and you're kind of realizing oh no they're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again where the boys yeah. are going to get to the end of the season and then they suffer a loss another setback and they're on the run again and now they got to regroup again you know because I was, I was feeling that way a little bit in the third episode you know not so much the first yeah. one, but that third Near episode the end I was of definitely it. feeling that especially with the whole like love fuck love triangle it's a love square by the end of this episode but yeah, right. you know, with, with Homelander, you think the boy band guy is going to be trouble, which he probably will be. I don't think Huey and Starlight are sadly going to end up together by the end of this season due to lame writing. But, uh, yeah, fucking uh, Anthony Starr just out of nowhere just says, OK, and we're a couple and she just agrees with it now. I don't mm -hmm. I don't know where that where that's coming from. I hope I really want them to explain that in the upcoming episode. Well, the biggest that thing character usually doesn't make that dumb mistakes, in my opinion. But right. like, that's a dumb. She was doing good in the first few episodes, but then that last scene happened, and I'm just like, "Come on, really? You had to tie it into the first scene where she's doing her hand in the back." It's like just stupid. It's like but, we get it. We yeah, get exactly. It. Yeah, I was the, that 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 was the one where I'm like, yeah, I don't know, and also I. I, I don't know. I feel like they're kind of kind of leave the Congresswoman stuff to the side. I felt like they kind of like does I don't know. Did that feel like a little bit rushed to you where they kind of just rush past that? And it's like, OK, so now I thought that was deliberate. Yeah, but, but I like, think I, they're going to get more into that for sure. Yeah, I hope so, because like the Congresswoman, they I thought have like, to explain that I thought she's it was not so... going to be a clear cut villain. She's not a clear-cut villain. Right, which I like. I thought they were going to make Nadia. her a clear-cut villain, but they but they very much have made her more of a morally gray character that, like, John Carlo was clearly, like, manipulated. But, like, that she's was... She's not good, but she's oh. definitely a victim yes, in every 100%. regards. Because 100%. she was... Because I was... It, it, we only see a little glimpse of it, of their relationship and how, like, she got adopted or whatever the fuck. Right. But I have questions, okay? Well, she got my, my first question is, that daughter of hers that Huey has met, is that... Is that Esposito's kid? Yes, like, it's clearly his oh kid. God. It's clearly like, his kid. I don't, dude, they I don't know They clearly have I a daughter that. together. I don't know it, how I missed that because, like, I saw them cuddling. I'm like, okay, so it's like a father They say that in the scene where it's just like, like you're it's your father and it's your, yeah, the, hey, say bye to, hey, hi to mommy or whatever. It's just God. like they're fucking, yeah. Oh and it's like, so what did he do? He adopted her and groomed her and then secretly married her and then no one knows, like, who the husband is? Yeah, like, that, 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 
that's kind of a little husband? bit of a deliberate thing where it's like, so wait, the head of Vought and the congresswoman that is clearly like this whole thing is uh, is connected and no one's been able to figure that out. Like, it would have been one thing if it's like, okay, somebody found out and they had to like kill them or whatever, whatever. But like, th- like that one PR person, like the Colby Minifee character, she doesn't know about it. Like nobody He's knows annoying. about this. Uh, yeah, the, I, that, that character's pointless, but. She's pointless. She's the only there to just be in like a repetitive, like I said, like just be like cowardly and then an asshole to everybody else and then pull her hair out. She's a yeah. shitty comic relief character. And the freaking, that the PJ Byrne moment in the toy. I'm like, okay, we, 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 we this is obligatory. We have to have this in there, you know, like the grows out stuff. I think for me, the, the, the most twisted thing probably was not the final Homelander speech where he finally comes out and is basically like kind of just goes off on camera was the one where he literally forced the girl to kill herself. That was, I'm like, oh man, like we're, we're getting into, we're, we're really getting into this territory. That was right the now. scene where I was like, fucking yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, because he, he says there, he seems so bored at one moment. He literally literally talks her off the ledge and is like, you know what? You should. And he's like, you know what? You're going to. And then he like, yeah. the ledge. then you see her fall. And then the blood splat. I'm like, and that's the first time the too, where like, they, they showed you like the blood. But I was like, Oh shit. We're, we're really going for this. You know? Yeah. And, and he killed the Jew for Stormfront. Yeah, that's Jewish. right. Yeah. He did. Jewish. He totally did. That's right. Oh my, wow, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, that, that's the thing. There's so many different layers. Like, I'm paying attention, and there's still shit that's, like, going over my head. I don't know what it is, but it's like, but then, so, okay, the Stormfront killing stuff. First off, like, were you expecting Stormfront to be back? Because they had made a pretty no. big deal that Ryan Cash was not going to be in this season at all after the whole Nazi no. reveal. And then, when, which, by the way, good call. I forgot to. I thought she died. Yeah, that's the thing. To be honest I with you. She was really, well, she wasn't dead yet. She but wasn't they made dead, it seem but like, I thought she was going to die. Like, well, they why made would it they seem like her? they were going to put her in like some regeneration chamber and keep her for later on, you know? And even and it even, was like, pointless how they used her this season, I felt. I thought that was a little too gratuitous. I agree. I don't really know what the point of bringing her back was, especially when it's like. For that oh, brief she time. killed herself. First of all, I was like, how about a soup even kill themselves? I thought they're supposed to be invulnerable, you know? And so, I mean, they're not, but well, like. They can I, die. What do you mean? They can die, but I feel like the after the first step season where Huey blew up translucent with the by shoving the bomb up his butt, I feel like they've kind of been playing fast and loose with that where it's like, okay, so some superheroes are vulnerable, but then they had like the stupid moth guy in that third episode in the flashback scene and he got blown up by a missile or something. Like, I don't know. I also feel like they're kind of going out of their way to like make the superheroes like a little bit too deliberately like stupid. Like before it was a situation of where it's like, oh, nah, the soups are just like fucking up like regular people, but like they also happen to have superpowers. So, but I feel like now it's like they're kind of just playing fast and loose with it where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the superheroes are just dumb. Where it's like, okay, I understand that they're actually that they are not, that, you know, they're not gonna be able to tell what's going on in the heat of battle, but like they should clearly be able to tell who the enemy soldiers are and who the, civilian like who is <laughs> well i was i bought side. into it i bought into that and that part of the story because especially since it was being told from her perspective so of course they weren't going to look good and look terrible in that but they were not like the seven they were like oh. the fucking you know they're they payback. were they're like they're the, they're the they were the squad. original like the squad the yeah so they like it's like the original like NBA or or MLB where it's or like, like all the suicide these... squad almost they were expendable yeah not even just expendable it's just they were old fashioned and old school yeah. and they didn't give a shit about anything and they were jackasses and like the seven is like this corporate run corporate back thing that's like very controlled by you know 
the company and yeah. like what goes on and like they can't really get away with enough you know the kind of stuff that they were doing in war you know yeah. what i mean it's just like a couple more things about that scene, too. So, first off, the young Stan Edgar and the, the Giancarlo Esposito impersonator. I thought that was weird. But also, we finally got an origin for Black Noir. Finally. like I was so odd. Yeah. And that kind of just came out of nowhere where he's at the mask off and he said, like, oh, the mask should be on. You know, like, kind of, again, getting into a little bit of the racism on the 80s. Which, by the way, little bit, like, they're handling it well. I have an eye on it, though, where I'm like, okay, I hope they don't, like, kind of harp on this too much. Like, don't about the way that they utilize it as far as, like, you know, how, like, kind of the factory in like real world politics and kind of a little bit of the history that goes into it about how like they kind of basically made it like yeah that shit about leaking you know crack cocaine into minorities in the 80s that was very deliberate on the government's part shit that like anybody with common sense could figure out but like there was definitely some sort of i feel like a lot of credence that came from kind of hearing it voiced uh, open especially from mother's milk who very much has this personal vendetta against uh soldier boy in kind of a similar way that that butcher does with homelander but yeah. Biggest thing for me also is so he's just got those scars forever and that's how that's why he just doesn't talk like so so he never healed from them like never. And the other thing too also just being um what's it called? Soldier Boy just vanishes from that fight. I'm like so so he they clearly kidnapped him, you know? Whatever whatever weapon it was, like that's the problem is Mallory was unfortunately knocked out when that firefight happened, but whatever fire They fight, said they took his body too. Right. And then they were like he died, but they took his body and I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah pretty much. So so that's kind of where I was like I'm not really sure where this is going per se, but I think it's interesting and it, like I said, it, it's still very much set up like, it's still set it. Like, that's the thing that I like about them releasing the first three episodes is that they kind of, it's all the expositions. So they kind of get it all out of the way so that the next five weeks of episodes, they're going to slowly fill you in on information. So that was kind of the big thing there. We covered the Homelander and Starlight bit. Um, Huey, for me, has been completely, like, done a complete 180 on me. Where Huey, I was constantly complaining about how he's too emasculated. He's kind of being led around a lot by other characters. The first season, they were able to get away with it because we're still being introduced to this world. But the second season, I thought it was getting a little bit irritated. But this third season, I gotta say, like, Jack Quaid's always been great in this part. But Jack Quaid really, really impressed me with this uh, with this season, kind of his turnaround. Where he's kind of playing with the big leagues now. He's a little bit more fine. He's in a little bit of a position of power. And I, I think he's handled himself surprisingly well. And also, like, how he's able to, like, he's a lot quicker. Like, those years of being with Butcher have really, you know, had an effect on him. He's quicker. He's smarter. He's thinking more on his feet. He's realizing, like, what's what. And, like, I, man, honestly, like, if you, it's crazy. Because going into these three episodes, like, Butcher and Homeland are always going to be the win. But if you told me that, like, I was going to come out and be, like, rooting for Huey and saying that Huey, like, had, like, one of the best arcs, like, I would have told you you were crazy because I've been very vocal since day one about how I'm not the biggest fan of Huey as a character. But, man, they really turned it around for me. They really did. I'm, I cannot wait to see what they do with Huey this, this year. And I'm hoping they don't, I'm hoping they don't do him dirty like they probably will with the whole hit and Starlight thing. She's frustrating, Starlight, the way they write her sometimes regarding Huey. But it, it she is put in an impossible situation, I will say right. that. And it's going to be interesting how they resolve that, no matter how they do it. But, like, that Newman character... I don't know what's going to go on with this me show. Me neither, but that to know. me is, it's it's the Newman character, the finding out more about the origin and the Soldier Boy, and then everything happening with Homelander. Those to me are like the three areas, of, real areas of interest that I'm like, yeah, this, this is where the drama is going to be at this season, you know? And the biggest thing too also 
uh, as far as Starlight goes. I mean, that, that's kind of been Starlight's thing since day one. She's always been the character that's constantly put in this impossible scenario. They radically changed her character from the comics, where the character, the comics, she's kind of this ditzy, like she really is. She's not like like how Aaron Moriarty plays her. She is this ditzy, kind of really dumb fangirl. She's like an Instagram star that just that just gets completely emotionally destroyed. And kind of, you know, when obviously when when the deep uh, assault happens in the comics, and I feel they they've definitely been the most repetitive with her character, where her whole thing is she is constantly the character that is trying to go against the go against the mold, go against all of that, and she's constantly screwed over over and over and over again. Like first with the whole, um, you know, first with the whole trying to give a voice to you know assault victims, only for Vought to then turn it around on her. Then the whole girls get it done and how that paid off at the end of the season. In hindsight, I'm still not quite sure if that worked out as well as I think it would have. And now this season where you essentially have this forced love quadra square, as you said, between the the supersonic guy or whatever his name was and the pop band guy from back in the day and then Homelander. And now it's like, okay, so she's once again just got to play face with the seven while Huey's off doing a mission. Like, I don't know. Like, I definitely feel like she's a character that they're starting to run out of things to do with. But I think they're running out of ideas for like a train and the deep. I feel like every scene with the deep is just kind of like, I I get it. Like, dude, you're pathetic and you're dumb. And yeah, especially the way like he bullies both of them. Right. In the same episode or like the, an episode separated from it. I don't know. But like this season, he's like bullied both of them to them, to their faces. Like it's high, like a fucking elementary school student. And it's kind of like, all right. The thing Relax. with the deep is that they are constantly just going out of their way to like they they literally like okay he's a joke character so we're just gonna treat him as a joke character where it's like they constantly bring bringing back the bit of him just being so emotionally destroyed every time it's like a fish talking and it's like they did the shit with the octopus and here and it's like and then they had the thing with like his wife which I was like what the fuck is going on with that character where she's like oh eat the stupid octopus I'm like. What? I'm like you're, you're. I'm like I thought you were supposed to be on his side. I thought you were supposed to be rooting for him. Like you should be on the deep side, not Homelander side. Like what's going on here? So I, yeah, I was because Dominic. You don't get it. They're all gonna die if they don't do what he says. Oh, the that's writers- right. Oh, that's right. Because that that point hasn't been hammered into our heads enough as it is. And then obviously you know the whole thing with A Train, and then it rightfully being called out by his brother, where he's like, you know, I'm just trying to give back to the community after the whole because the Stormfront thing clearly rattled it. But I, I like his brother character, where his brother rightfully pointed out, it's like, dude, you've never cared about the community you have only ever cared about yourself and getting yourself elevated to a new position you know? so don't try and lie to that so i thought that was cool but i'll, I'll be interested he to didn't see kill, he didn't care about the cause because he killed no. a black he killed a black girl in the first episode <laughs> yeah exactly exactly black that's all black yeah crime not that it, not 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 that he realized that, but yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, a little little intra-racial crime right there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So Biggest thing is that's kind of where we're being set up with. That's kind of where we're going. So my biggest thing is, is that kind of after further recontextualizing these three episodes, it's always so interesting when you get something that like is so awesome in the moment and then you go back and kind of re and kind of re-examine it and break it down. You're like, eh, what's this? I, you know, I feel like they think he's a joke too, especially with that costume they give him this season. Yeah. So like, what, what is that costume? That is, that is even by superhero costumes. I know it's intentionally done to 
look terrible, but like it just looks like a color vomited all over him. You it's know, like that's the African like. colors. It's like the Pan African colors. Yeah, but they, but like, I got that. But like, I don't think like, they're not organized in any way that like makes sense. And so I'm like, every time I look at it, I'm like, it's just like a hodgepodge. Like they literally just mash it all together and just put mm-hmm. no effort into it. You know, but. I don't know. That's really all I can say as far as those first three episodes go. I'm super interested to see where they're going to go. Like like you said, it's the fact that that's the thing about the show is it is truly unpredictable in the sense that you never, ever know where you're, you know, what direction they're going to take. They just, every time you think that they can get to a point where you don't think they can surprise you anymore, they pull out something else where you're like, oh man, like they had the shrinking dude from the first episode of the show when Butcher is first bringing Huey into that like underground, um, into that underground, um, what's it called it like that club or whatever and then they bring mm-hmm. that back in a great way the only thing that i'm really i'm not quite sure about where they're going is the whole frenchie with the little nina character like what that's going to serve if that plot that's line a is shitty come- crime subplot that's yeah lame. i i did my whole hope with that is i hope they don't drag that out and bring that back into the show where it's like they're, they're trying to set it up where it's like again frenchie and kamiko their whole thing is it's like that 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 storyline was never a storyline that had much longevity to that and I have a bad feeling that they're gonna kind of like stretch that out continuously you know the concept back and forth of oh Kimiko does wants a normal life oh you know Frenchie loves her but he's still kind of addicted to this lifestyle and oh they're gonna have to you know get out at some point I'm just like oh okay I get it I like the Frenchie actor Kamiko definitely grew on me more in season two after her I think kind of abrupt introduction in season one but yeah so I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do with that so what um, about like what happens to the soup to that like uh I forgot that actress you were saying who played the the one at the Disneyland Lori Holden about, yeah yeah when yeah she, and she like, just killed that shot out of nowhere and then just left like what happened with that what's I was the so repercussions confused. there yeah no I mean Vaught will probably come in and clean it up because that's just what they do with every superhero I mean they they've got to bring her back at some point you know because again like we have Butcher killing the gunpowder dude. And then you have that was um, wild. That was not that was oh that was so cool. And then when they showed like the head falling off at the end, oh that was so good. Like, that was that that brought it back to like the Haley Joel Osment kill in season one when Butcher killed him. And that was the first moment where you're like, oh, th- this is what Butcher's really into. You're like, because up until that point, like Butcher had done some crazy shit like with the translators, but it was always like somebody who deserved it and really had it coming. But like. The, the Haley Joel Osment moment where you just see what, like, kind of a pathetic character that is and when Butcher yeah. brutally kills him. I was like, wow, okay. Like, this, there, there really is, like, kind of just moral, these moral gray areas on both sides. Like, the boys, because they introduce you, like, the boys are all people who have been screwed over in some way, shape, or form by the soups. You know, Frenchie, obviously, with his overhanging guilt about letting, um, you know, Mallory's family get killed by Lamplighter. Mother's Milk, obviously, with his whole thing with, um, what's called, with Soldier Boy, and then how that resulted in the death of his family and his dad. And then, obviously, Butcher with Becca, and then Huey with his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, Robin, and all that. And so, and obviously everything that happened with Kamiko and everything there. But so that that's always kind of been interesting how those characters all kind of got are disenfranchised and screwed over. But like, it's always been fascinating how they built up to where it's like, nah, those guys might be just as fucked up as, as the soups are, you know, in this sense. And I, and I think they've done a much better job of that in the comics, because I know in the comics, those characters like Frenchie and Mother's Milk were really just like kind of dumb side characters. And uh, like, they were really side characters. And Huey really was just kind of a... Um, Huey really was just, you know, kind of like more of a hacker figure and more of a plot device character. Like, Butcher really is the center character in the comics. Like, I will say, if you get a chance, just read, like, the opening couple panels from the first volume of the boys' comic volume one. That shit is wild what they do. Is, there, is, Hugh, is Huey in the comic, like, supposed to be British? 
Yes, Huey in the comics is modeled after Simon Pegg. That's why in that one anime yeah. with Huey, like that's their comic iteration. Like Huey is very much based off of and supposed to be a version of Simon Pegg, which is why it was so interesting when they cast Simon Pegg as his dad in obviously in the first season of the show. You know, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not crazy about American that accent. character. I don't, I don't think his American accent's that bad. I just don't like that character. Yeah, How it was kind of like character. kind of diminutive, kind of what they did to that character. But that's it. That's really our conversation of the boys. Your final thoughts and star ratings on these first three episodes? Oh, this is a strong. This is, you know, I'll do a fucking schmoes no kind of rating. I'll do a four point three seven out of five. I think I like it's it. very good. I I wish I could rate it higher, but like this. Maybe I will in retrospect, uh, depending on how they, you know, tie up these plots. But um, yeah, very interesting stuff. The violence is unparalleled on any television show right now. That's for sure. There's nothing as violent, yeah. and as gory, and as crazy, and as cool looking as the boys right now. Especially for a superhero show, it's crazy that they can, you know, Invincible. It's the same guys who do who did yep. Invincible, right? But like yep. that's animated. If I, I feel like you know, like the boys makes Invincible kind of just. It just kind of makes it feel like it dispen like dispensable, in my right. opinion. Like right. I just feel like this is just such an epic grand scale, and that one, like, it makes sense for that one to be animated. But because I the whole like thing about the boys is they could so yeah. easily just rely on the shock value of the kills, but it's the fact that they actually go out of the way to like have these interesting story tidbits that build up to it, and it gives us so much. And more the world building is very good too, because yes. it just it feels so grounded in its own reality, and it feels eerily similar to like how reality actually is for us. In my opinion, I'm not like with the superpowers, obviously. No, but, but like, like I feel like this is how would, people would react. Yes, and that's hero. always been the best element of the show is the fact of really capturing that thought of what if superheroes really existed in real life and how just fucking terrifying that would be, frankly. And this show just kind of takes that and one. And that's why the violence over. is so effective is because of how real-ish it comes across and Absolutely. how like genuine it feels in its own style stall but um yeah i really really love this show and i hope it gets even better anthony Starr deserves an emmy for this yeah still Incredible. a crying shame how he was i still have no idea how last year during the covid emmy season when there was no tv how they gave eighteen thousand nominations to the crown and the handmaids to all the actors in the crown and the handmaids tale and anthony they, they couldn't give couldn't cover out two spots couldn't cover out two spots for carl urban and anthony Starr. you know Could, couldn't do that but, no. but, but I mean, look, the boys still got a drama nomination, so I'm hoping it's able to compete next year. I'm hoping they don't completely shut it out. Summer shows, I know, all have a, have a tougher time competing at the Emmys. Than the, than yeah, the that second season was so good, they were like, yeah, we have to yeah, nominate it. Yeah, we have to nominate it. Yeah. We have to okay. nominate it. Like, but it still pisses me off that, like, they couldn't give the actors a nomination. I loved it. I loved these first three episodes. Uh, kind of individual problems as they were. Again, it's not a perfect show, but it's it's one of the, it's one of the best shows on the air right now. Obviously, if you're not watching it, like, what are you doing? It's all on Amazon. Go watch this shit. It is awesome. I give this four and a half out of five stars. Yeah, I'm I'm confident with that. Four and a half out of five stars for the, these first three episodes. We'll see how the next five weeks go. As far as you know, keeping track of it. Uh, I, I might do some TikTok reactions for it. I'm not quite sure. You guys can follow us all there at Official Talking TV Podcast across all the platforms: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Letterboxd, all the usual. Dustin, where can the good people follow you? Call, uh, follow me on Letterboxd, uh, Dustin Mason, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. Mr. G Movie Reviews on YouTube, Duster on Twitter. He'll give you the links. Awesome. And, of course, you can follow me at Movie Note Reviews across all platforms. 
And as always, people, 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next time.